Good morning. Before we get started, if, if you guys want to grab your Bibles and go ahead and flip, uh, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 25 this morning. Genesis chapter 25, we're going to move through several chapters through Genesis. Um, and just mark your spot there. So before we get started, uh, happy Father's Day. But this, this church has been blessed over the last several generations um, to have strong, godly men in these pews and, and behind this pulpit. And so it's been a blessing in my life, um, not just my father, um, but also the other fathers in this congregation. So definitely a testament to this church and the godly men that, that have been produced from this church. So obviously by God's grace. Um, so happy Father's Day to all you fathers. All right, so this is the final week of our biblical portrait series. Um, we started on Mother's Day, if you remember, uh, that would be, this is our seventh week, so uh, six weeks ago we started on Mother's Day, and, and I actually kicked that off with Sarah. We went through Sarah, uh, we went through Enoch, Ruth, Barnabas, Esther, Aquila, and Priscilla, and then finally this week we're going to look at Jacob. So we're going we're to look at the life of Jacob. It, it's fitting that the guy talking about Jacob is named Jacob. So I called my mom this morning and asked her, um, so the cool thing, I'll mention, the cool thing about starting this early is I'm still going to go till 11.30, okay? <laughs> so, buckle up. So I called my mom this morning and asked her, I said, you know, I know, I know that I was named after Jacob from the Bible, but why? What was your reasoning behind it? And she laughed, and and you'll know why she laughed as we go through the story of Jacob, if you're not already familiar. But she said that when she was pregnant, she was um, in a Bible study fellowship. And the, the, the several weeks leading up to my birth was the study of Jacob. And she said, I'm going to paraphrase my mom's words. She said, I thought the character of Jacob was really interesting. Not the first part of his life, but the last part of his life. She said, so I, I really wanted to name you Jacob. So that... Um, so I am named after the Jacob that we are talking about today, and as I, as I read this week and, and have prepared and, and studied, I think it's fitting. It's, it's by God's sovereign grace that I was named Jacob, and then I'm standing here today preaching about Jacob, because it, it, it made me really take into a consideration, I think sometimes we overlook how God is intertwined in everything that we do in our lives, and he knows those things before we're born, which we're going to talk about today as well. So, so we're going to jump into Jacob. So um, Genesis 25, if you've got your Bible open, um, who is Jacob? Jacob is the second-born son to Isaac and Rebekah. He is a twin, and is, this is actually the first biblical mention of twins. And remember that, that Jacob is born to Isaac, but Isaac is the son of Abraham and Sarah, which we covered several weeks ago. So Jacob is Abraham's grandson. So Jacob's father is Abraham. The name Jacob um, oftentimes is, is said to mean deceiver, um, liar sometimes is, is a loose translation. The name of, of Jacob is um, more closely related to meaning holder of the heel, holder of the heel, or supplanter. Now, if you're like me, you're thinking, what's supplanter mean? So supplanter, 
A supplanter is someone who wrongfully takes the place of another, which we're going to see is extremely fitting for the life of Jacob. So let's jump right in. Uh, We're going to start with Genesis 25. We're going to read a ton of scripture, and then we're going to quickly work through the life of Jacob, and then we're going to reflect back on, on what that means in the grand scheme of God's plan for Jacob's life and then for our lives. So first scripture we're going to look at, Genesis 25 verses 24 through 28. And this is um, referring to the birth of Jacob and Esau. So here's what God's word has to say. Genesis 25, starting with verse 24. When her days to give birth were completed, behold, there were twins in her womb. The first came out red, all his body like a hairy cloak, so they called his name Esau. Afterward, his brother came out with his hand holding Esau's heel. So his name was called Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when she bore them. When the boys grew up, Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field, while Jacob was a quiet man dwelling in tents. Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. So here's our first, our first glance at the two brothers, the two twins. Esau was born first. He was the oldest. Jacob, as he came out of the womb, was grasping at his heel, hence the name Jacob, um, holder of the heel. So let's keep going, um, and we're, only, we're just going to hit kind of the high points of his life. So, so here's our first glimpse at the twins, and you see that Isaac loved Esau because of his hunting, and then he could um, kill the game. Esau loved to eat the game. Rebecca loved Jacob. Um, so father's favorite, mother's favorite. Okay, Genesis 25. Let's jump down to verse 29 through 34. Once Jacob was cooking stew, Esau came in from the field. He was exhausted. And Esau said to Jacob, let me eat some of that red stew, for I am exhausted. Jacob said, sell me your birthright now. Esau said, I'm about to die. Of what use is a birthright to me? Jacob said, swear it to me now. So he swore it to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew, and he ate and drank and rose and went on his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. So we get into the story here, and and. The Bible doesn't give us a lot of details between the birth and then this interaction with the birthright. Because you notice we go from verse 28 right into 29. But there's obviously some sort of knowledge that Jacob has that Esau despises his birthright. He doesn't care for it. Now, you might ask, what is the birthright? Right? So in Jewish, in Jewish tradition, in, in their culture, uh, the birthright, Deuteronomy 21.7 tells us, that it's a double inheritance. So there were two brothers. The inheritance of Isaac, when he was to die, would be split into three. The birthright, which is normally the eldest son, would get two of those three. So anytime there's a family, the, the oldest son that has the birthright would basically get two shares. He was taking over the family business. He was getting a double portion of whatever was the father's when the father died. And so Esau, we see it here, Esau just, he doesn't care. Now, why? We'll get into that here in a little bit. But Esau sells his birthright and just says, look, I'm hungry. I'm famished. I just want some food. Yeah, whatever. You can have the birthright. I don't care. But Jacob knew this. He knew that Esau had this feeling towards his birthright. And so he, deceived his, he deceives his brother. So Jacob is, is deceiving his brother. He's being deceitful here. He says, hey, look, you're desperate. Sell me your, sell me your birthright and I'll give you some stew. You're just hungry. Right? So he, he catches Esau in a weak moment, and Jacob takes something from him. 
So he steals the, the birthright. Now we're going to flip over to Genesis 27. And we're going to read verses 1 through 4. When Isaac was old and his eyes were dim so he could not see, he called Esau, his older son, and said to him, My son, and he answered, Here I am. He said, Behold, I am old. I do not know the day of my death. Now then, take your weapons, your quiver, your bow, and go out in the field and hunt game for me. Prepare for me a delicious food, such as I love, and bring it to me so that I may eat and my soul may bless you before I die. So Esau, it says here, or excuse me, Isaac is old. So traditionally, before the father would pass on, before he would die, not only was the birthright, something the eldest son would get, but then also the eldest son would get the father's blessing. So when the father, and a lot of times we think of this as like your deathbed blessing from the father to the, to the heir, to the son. So Isaac, he, he thinks he's near death, he's old, he can't see very well, he's blind. Um, and he says to his oldest son Esau, hey, go hunt some game, prepare a meal, bring it back so that I can eat and then I can bless you. And because and, he thinks he's going to die. So, so he's telling Esau to go and do that. And so Rebekah hears this, and you can see this in, in the scripture that after verse 4, which Rebekah hears it. And so she plots with Jacob to deceive Isaac. Now, the first time she takes this idea to, to Jacob, Jacob says, no, I can't do that because what if my father catches me? Then he'll curse me. And Rebekah says, no, the curse will be on me not on you, so just do as I say. So Jacob follows the, the advice of his mother. <clears throat> she prepares a meal. She clothes Jacob in Esau's clothes. So Because Esau and Jacob were two physically different people. Okay? Esau, it said Esau was, was red-haired and hairy. Um, very hairy hands, arms, back of his neck. Jacob was very smooth-skinned. Okay, not a lot of hair. And so they smelled different. Jacob stayed around the house. Esau would be out in the fields hunting. Okay, so they had distinct feels. They had distinct smells. They did have different voices as well. Uh, they sounded different. So Rebecca's helping to plot. She prepares a meal. So she prepares a meal for Jacob to take to, her, to his father, to Isaac thinking that she can prepare the meal just as well as Esau does, right? So, so she's doing her part. She clothes Jacob in Esau's clothes so that the clothes smell. Jacob smells like Esau. She puts, um, it says, goat skin on his arms and on his neck so that when Isaac feels him, it feels like Esau. The hair feels similar. So, so they're, they're not just... This is not just a little white lie. They're going all the way, right? I mean, they're, they're sticking to this story and going all the way. I mean, they're trying to steal a blessing. This is a big deal. And so Rebecca comes up with this. this is, I mean, it's a pretty solid plan. She thought it from all angles. So, <clears throat> so verse, verse 1 through 4 is where Isaac sends Esau out. Now, let's skip down. To verse 18. And so this is where Jacob goes to Isaac 
And this is what Jordan read for us. Verse 18, so he went to his father and said, my father, here I am. Who are you, my son? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I've done as you've told me. Now sit up and eat the game so that your soul may bless me. But Isaac said to him, how is that you found so quickly? So he sends him out and immediately he's right. He, it feels like immediately he's back. And, and Isaac's like, wait a minute. That was so fast. And so Jacob answered, because the Lord your God granted me success. So, so there's going to be several lies here that Jacob tells. One is that he said, I'm Esau, your oldest. The second is that he says, God granted me success. He, he let me find something real quick to kill. I killed it. I'm, I made the stew. I'm back. Then Isaac said to Jacob, please come near, verse 21, that I may feel you, my son, so that I know whether you're really my son Esau or not. So Jacob went near to Isaac, his father, who felt him and said, the voice is Jacob's, but the hands, in the, the hands are the hands of Esau. So here's the goat skin, right? He's feeling the goat skin. He feels the back of his hands. He says, okay, it sounds like Jacob, but he can't see, but you feel like Esau. He did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like his brother Esau. So he blessed him and he said, are you really my son Esau? So he asks him again. Jacob says, I am. Then he said, bring it near me, talking about the food, that I may eat of my father's or of my son's game and bless you. So he brought it near and he ate and he brought him wine and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, come near and kiss me, my son. So now they are as close as you can get, right? They're, they're basically embracing one another. So if at any moment Isaac's going to catch him, now's the moment, right? Come near and kiss me, my son. So he came near, verse 27, and kissed him. And Isaac smelled the smell of his garments. So now he smells Esau. So right, he deceived him with the flavor of the food, the taste of the food. It was how Isaac, how Isaac liked the way Esau prepared the food. So Rebecca did that. The arms, the hands, the neck, the smell the kiss, right? All of these things. And Jacob continuously saying, I'm Esau, I'm Esau, I'm Esau. So he's, de he's deceiving his father. And then the blessing. Verse 27, 28, 29. Here's what Isaac says. The smell of my son is the smell of the field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you the dew of heaven and the fatness of the earth and plenty of grain and wine. Let peoples serve you and nations bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you and blessed be everyone who blesses you. Read through that again. That's heavy. Right? He's, he's saying your brothers are going to serve you. Your mother's sons, your brothers, they're going to bow down to you. And not just that, but if anybody curses you, and this is, a, this is a pretty blanket statement, anybody who curses you will be cursed. Now, you might think, any dad could say that, but remember who this is. Isaac is the son of Abraham. Abraham is the one that had the promise directly from God that, that nations would come of him. 
and come of his family. So this is, this is heavy. Isaac knows what these words mean. He knows how much weight they carry because nations are going to come through that seed from Abraham to Isaac. Isaac's the only, he's the son of Abraham. He's the chosen lineage. And then he is blessing his son, who is supposed to be Esau, but is now Jacob because of his deceit. And then verse 30, as soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, Jacob had scarcely gone out from the presence of Isaac, his father, and Esau came in. So as soon as Jacob gets blessed, blessed he run, he, he, he's out, right? I got what I want. I got to go. And as soon as he leaves, here comes Esau to get his blessing, right? Esau's been out hunting. He's coming to get his blessing. How do you think that went over? You talk about mad, right? And so look at verse 41 of chapter 27. Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing with which his father had blessed him. And Esau said to himself, the days of mourning for my father are approaching. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. So remember, the, the whole reason Isaac is, is at this point making this the time to do the blessing is because he, he thinks he's near death. He thinks he's going to die. So Esau says, as soon as I'm done mourning my father, as soon as my father dies and I'm done mourning him, I will kill my brother because he stole my birthright. He stole my blessing. Stolen everything. Now, Rebecca, right? Rebecca's kind of Jacob's saving grace at this point. <laughs> she's, got it, she's got her eye out for her favorite son, Jacob. So she hears this. The word gets to her that Esau is going to kill Jacob. So she comes up with a plan to save Jacob. So Genesis 27, let's go to verse 42. But the words of Esau, her older son, were told to Rebekah. So she sent and called Jacob, her younger son, and said, Behold, your brother Esau comforts himself about you by planning to kill you. That's how he's going to get revenge. He's going to kill you. Now, therefore, my son, obey my voice. Arise, flee to Laban, my brother in Haran. And stay with him a while until your brother's fury turns away, until your brother's anger turns away from you and he forgets what you've done. Then I will send and bring you from there. Why should I be reft of you both in one day? And so just a, a real quick touch. If Esau were to successfully kill Jacob after Isaac is dead, then Esau's punishment would be death. So... The, the traditions of the time, the biblical structure, someone else in the family would come and kill Esau. So, so Rebecca's saying, I don't want to lose both my sons in one day, because she essentially would. She'd lose both her sons. Jacob would be dead at the hand of Esau. Esau would be dead at the hand of someone else in the family as revenge for Jacob's death. So then Rebecca takes this plot. She tells Jacob, hey, this is what we're going to do. So she goes to Isaac. She goes to Isaac, and, and she says, verse 46, Rebekah said to Isaac, I loathe my life because of the Hittite women. If Jacob marries one of the Hittite women like these, one of the women of the, of the land, what good will my life be? So Esau had married the women of, of this land, and it was, a, it was kind of a punch in the gut, right? They, they, these weren't the chosen women. They weren't godly women in, in their eyes. 
So Esau had married them. And so now Rebekah's going to Isaac and saying, I just can't bear it if Jacob marries one of these women like Esau married, basically. And so Isaac says, you know what, that's a good idea. So chapter 28, verse 1 through 3, Isaac agrees to send Jacob off. So then Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and directed him. You must not take a wife from the Canaanite women. Arise, go to Padan Aram, to the house of Bethuel, your mother's father, and take as your wife from there one of the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you that you may become a company of people. So at this point, Isaac realizes what happened with the blessing. He realizes that, that he has blessed him and, and that's God's design, which we're going to look at here in just a minute. There's a couple of verses that indicate that. And so he, he, he says, okay, Jacob, you got to go. Go to your mother's tribe. She's from Padan Aram. Her brother, Rebecca's brother, has daughters. So he is going to go and, and marry one of his cousins, basically. His uncle, he's going to his uncle. He's going to go and find a wife there. So up until this point, let's kind of recap. Up until this point, what kind of guy is Jacob? Terrible. Awful. He's deceitful. He's a liar. Conniving. Every bad word you could think of, right? I mean, he just, and, and his brother hates him. His dad was extremely upset at him. His mother loves him, right? That's, that's the one person that's really on, on his team. But up until this point, he's, he's living up to his name. He's deceitful. He's a liar. He, he's a supplanter. He's taking the place of someone else, wrongfully taking the place. He stole it, stole the birthright, stole the blessing. So he's going to go and... and live with his uncle Laban, but, but here soon, in just a couple of verses, he's going to start reaping what he sowed. We're going to see that. So it's going to come back to him. Some people call that karma, right? I call it God's plan, okay? The Bible says you, you reap what you sow. So, so Jacob's getting ready. He's getting whatever he's dished out, he's going to get it back. So before he gets there, let's go over to um, Genesis 28. He's traveling, traveling on the way, and he stops for the night. Genesis 28, uh, look at verse 10. Okay, So he's traveling, he stops for the night to rest, and he has a dream. Jacob, verse 10, Jacob left Beersheba and went towards Haran. He came to a certain place and stayed there that night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and lay down in that place to sleep. He dreamed, and behold, there was a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. So they're going up and down on it. Verse 13, and behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac, the land in which you lie I will give to you and your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Verse 15, behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go 
and I will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised to you. Jacob falls asleep. He has a dream. He envisions God, heavens open, the ladder, angels up and down, and God makes this promise to him. Now, this promise is very similar. We, we've heard this promise to Abraham, right, where, where he's going he's gonna to make a nation from this lineage. And so he's telling Jacob this. And in verse 15, he says, Behold, I'm with you, and I keep you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until... I have done what I've promised. So he's saying, look, I'm going to promise you this, and I'm going to reiterate my promise, and I'm going to not leave you until this promise is fulfilled. Jacob awoke from his sleep, verse 16, and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. He was afraid and said, How awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. So early in the morning, he took the stone that had put under his head and set it as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. He called the name of the place Bethel, which means house of God. And he made a vow, saying, if God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go, I will give me, and give me bread to eat and clothing to wear, so that I come again to my father's house back to Bethel, then the Lord shall, he shall be my God. And this stone, which I've set up as a pillar, shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I'll give a full tenth. So this is, um, Jacob is, is basically saying to God, look, you've promised me this. If you bring me back here and you bless me and you make me multiply and you make me fruitful, I'll come and I'll give a tenth back. So he's promising to tithe. And he's going to come back to that place. He named it Bethel, which, which means house of God. So, this is on his way to meet his uncle, on his way to Haran. He has this experience. And we're going to come back to this place here in a little bit. So let's keep moving. He gets to Haran. He meets Laban and his daughters. And we're in Genesis 28, 16 through 20. Sorry. We just read 16 through 20. So he gets there, um, verse 29, 16 through 20. Now Laban had two daughters. The name of the older was Leah, the name of the younger was Rachel. So two daughters to Laban, Leah and Rachel. Leah's eyes were weak, but Rachel was beautiful in form and appearance. Jacob loved Rachel. And he said, I'll serve you seven years for your younger daughter, Rachel. Laban said, it's better that I give her to you than I should give her to any other man. Stay with me. So Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed... To him, only a few days because of the love he had for her. So, so he gets there. He meets the daughters, Leah, Rachel. Leah's the older, Rachel's the younger. It says Leah has weak eyes. Take that however you want. But Rachel was the prettier, the more standout to Jacob of the two. He wanted the younger daughter. He wanted Rachel. So he says to his uncle, I, w- I want to marry your daughter. What do I got to do? And he says, hey, work for me seven years and she's yours. That's all you got to do. Seven years. And, and it says that was just like a few days to Jacob because he loved her so much. He, he delighted to work for her. So he, now, when you get down to the seven years is up, wedding night, they have a, they have a, a, a week-long celebration. Laban brings the daughter in, veiled, 
to Jacob at night. And this is where Jacob gets it back, right? This is where Jacob, the deceit catches up with him. Because Laban doesn't give him Rachel, gives him Leah. So he sends Leah in. Jacob lays with her, consummating the marriage. The next morning, he wakes up and says, what have you done? I worked seven years for Rachel, and you deceived me, and you gave me Leah. And Laban says, look, it's our, it's our culture to, I can't give away the younger before the older, right? So he, he knew the older daughter was not as pretty, was not as, as good-looking, good was not as smart, was not as, you know, whatever it was. He knew she probably wasn't going to get married. So he had to deceive Jacob into marrying her. So Jacob married her, and Jacob said, but I want the other daughter. He said, okay, cool, you can have her. Work another seven years. Four, listen, some of you guys aren't married. 14 years? I don't know. Some of us haven't even been married 14 years. It's a long time. It's a long time, but Jacob agrees to do it. So Jacob agrees to work another seven years for Rachel. So then the end of chapter 29 and 30 tells us of Jacob and his children. And, and we're going to kind of skip over a little, bit, a little bit of this. There's so much, so much to Jacob's life, and, and we're only hitting bits and pieces of it, right? We're just taking that, that biblical portrait view of Jacob. I truly believe we could probably do a 10-week sermon series on the life of Jacob and still not hit everything. So much here. But chapter 29, 30 um, talks about Jacob's sons, his, or his children, excuse me, which we're going to touch on a little bit more shortly. Um, Genesis 31, we get into Jacob has been now in Haran for seven years for his first wife, seven years for his second wife, that's 14 years. And now he, he goes to, to Laban here at some, after those 14 years and says, I've served my time, I want to leave. But the, the thing is, and what we're not really getting into, but I want to I wanna make sure we understand it, Jacob was blessed. So when Jacob was in Haran with his uncle Laban, he, he made everything there bountiful, right? He, the, the, the flocks, just tenfold. I mean, they were, they were increased. He became a rich man, but because he was working for his uncle Laban, Jacob just didn't become a rich man. His uncle became a rich man. So when Jacob goes to him and says, hey, I want to leave and go back to my own, my own country, Laban says, now hold on. We got a good thing going. I don't want you to just pick up and leave. So they, they work out this deal, and, and like I said, it's a whole other story, a whole other sermon in and of itself. But basically, they kind of agree to, take the, to split the flocks up. So Laban wants the, the, the clean, um, clear flocks, the ones with no imperfections, and Jacob wants the ones that are speckled and spotted and... and, and they have, they have the dots. They, they look like they're, they're lesser. But Jacob did this kind of in a deceiving way. And, and lay, they, they're kind of trying to trick each other, right? They're, we're the, they're the two tricksters. Jacob has been deceiving up until this point. Laban has deceived Jacob. And, and now they're trying to one-up each other. And so they come to this agreement that, that he'll let Jacob leave and, and he'll keep whatever he's got and and it takes about another six years. So we're at 20 years. He spent 20 years now. 
And so he finally, he finally packs up and leaves, and, and there was a little bit of quarreling back and forth, and, and he left without telling him, and, and Laban follows him. So, I mean, it, it's a, just a lot of stuff going on. It's cra- Jacob's life is crazy. It's a, it's a Jerry Springer episode, like a 10-week episode of Jerry Springer. I mean, this is, you think soap operas are dramatic. Jacob's life is dramatic. But a lot of it's his own doing. He's living up to his name. So now, chapter 32, Jacob's finally heading back to Canaan. So, Jacob's heading back, and he's got, he's got these wives. He had, he had two wives. He had children with both wives. He had children with both their maidservants. Um, in total, he's got 11 children right now. He'll soon have a 12th in chapter 35, and that'll be it. Um, and he's got all these flocks and all these herds. and all. I mean, he's, he's a rich man. He's got a ton of stuff. And so they're traveling back. And so he sends word ahead to Esau. Remember Esau, the last time Jacob had talked to Esau, he stole his, stole his blessing. Esau's mad. And, and he's going back home, and Esau's there. And he doesn't know what to do. I mean, it's kind of sketchy, right? He, Esau still wants to kill him as far as Jacob knows. There's no cell phones. There's no email. They don't, they don't stay in contact. He can't check Esau's Facebook page to see, hey, what kind of mood's he in this week, right? He doesn't know. So he sends word ahead, sends, sends some of his servants ahead and says, hey, go to Esau and, and let's pull out some of that flock. Let's, let's gift him some stuff. Let's smooth him, right? Let's bribe him. Jacob's still living a screwed up life. He's trying to bribe his brother to not kill him. Let's see if I can pay him off so he doesn't kill me. Come on. He's not asking for forgiveness at this point. He's trying to bribe the guy. So chapter 32, Jacob's heading back to Canaan, sends word ahead to Esau, sends all these gifts. Jacob gets word that Esau is coming at him. Chapter 32, verse 6. And the messengers returned to Jacob saying, We came to your brother Esau, and he's coming to meet you, and there are 400 men with him. I don't know about you guys, but if, if I was Jacob and I heard that, hey, your brother's coming this way, he's got 400 men, you're thinking, holy my goodness, what is, what is going to happen? I don't know what to think. So Jacob, he's, he's still sending camps ahead. He's going in different, now he sends his family in different directions, right? So he's sending all these camps hoping that if camp one, two, three are ahead of him and gives him gifts, then he can bribe him to not hurt him. So he sends his family a different direction, and at this point, Jacob's alone. Verse 24, and he's clearly fearing for his life. So chapter 32, verse 24. Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go, for the day is broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. And then he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, saying, for I have seen God face to face, yet my life has been delivered. The sun rose upon him as he passed Peniel limping because of his hip. So Jacob has this moment. 
and he wrestles with what he believes is God. This is the defining moment in Jacob's life. Up until this point, look at the character of Jacob. He's deceived his brother. He's deceived his father. He's been deceived by his father-in-law. They have a, a very rocky relationship. He finally leaves. He's trying to bribe his brother into not killing him. His life has been a wreck up until this point. Where does he go from here? Right? He, he has this moment. He's alone. This is probably the low point of Jacob's life, right? This night, he thinks he's going to die at the hand of his own brother, and he's alone, and he wrestles with God. God touches his hip, breaks his hip, basically. So Jacob, the rest of his days, he walks with a, a bit of a limp. It's a remembrance of what happened that night. Chapter 33, verse 4. Jacob moves on. He meets Esau. Climactic. It's going to happen. Verse 4. Esau ran to meet him and embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him and they wept. Esau didn't hurt him. They reconciled. This is the turning of Jacob's life. They reconciled. They made things right, but let's, let's keep moving just a little bit. And I'm going to jump over to chapter 35. And then we're going to look a little bit more at this, this moment of wrestling with God. Chapter 35, verses 1, 2, and 3. Jacob, God said to Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel and dwell there. Remember Bethel? That was where he had the dream of the stairs, the ladder. Go up to Bethel and dwell there. Make an altar there to, to the God who appeared to you when you fled from your brother Esau. So when you first left and saw that, go back there. So Jacob said to his household and to all those who are with him, put away your foreign gods that are among you and purify yourselves. Change your garments and let us rise and go to Bethel. So that I may make there an altar to God who answers me in the day of my distress and has been with me wherever I have gone. And so they journeyed, verse 5, and as they journeyed, a terror from God fell upon the cities that were around them, and so no one pursued the sons of Jacob. Remember the promise God made him at Bethel? Wherever you go, I'm going to be with you. This is God fulfilling that promise. Nobody t they were untouchable because God was with them. Verse 9, God appeared to Jacob again when he came from Padan Aram and blessed him. And God said to him, your name is Jacob, but Israel shall be your name. So he called his name Israel, and God said to him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall come from you, and kings shall come from your own body. The land I gave to Abraham and Isaac I will give to you, and I will give the land to your offspring after you. Then God went up from him in the place where he had spoken with him. So 
God went up, meaning God was there in some form with Jacob. God renamed Jacob Israel. Israel meaning a prince of God. Jacob goes from the one who steals and takes the place of another to the prince of God. So the life of Jacob up until this defining moment was a wreck. He lied to Esau. He lied to Isaac. Through this point in his life, Jacob was weak. He was weak. He lived for the flesh. Jacob spent years at Haran, reaping what he sowed, being deceived by his father-in-law, working for his wives, working for what he built up. This is the years he put in the work. So he's weak, then he puts in the work, 20 years, and then he comes back. And this is his encounter with God. This is where he wrestles with God. Jacob wrestles with God, and he comes out a changed man. So let's stop right there, and let's look at Jacob. Today's Father's Day, so let's have a little fun. Let's look, let's look at Jacob as a father. Let's give him a grade up until this point. What's, what's a grade we're going to give Jacob up to this point as a, as a father? It's not a, it's not a high one, that's for sure. I'm not sure he's even passing. And I'm probably going to step on some toes here, but I need to. So fathers, listen. He, he provided for his family. He was wealthy. He was well-to-do. His family was following him, but what was he leading them to? And was he even leading them? They're just blindly going behind him because they have to. He wasn't leading his family anywhere. He had riches, he had flocks, he had whatever he wanted. He was not leading his family. And that's what God's telling him when he wrestled with him. Look, I've blessed you. But you're not doing the things you need to do. You're not being the father that you're supposed to be. I've called you to be a father of nations. Now I'm going to make you a father of nations. And that's when he wrestles with him. And he has this defining moment in his life. And for Christians, every single one of us, we have that defining moment in our lives where we're saved and we turn from our wretched ways and we turn to God and the call that God has on our lives. And that's the, that is this moment for Jacob. Now Israel. And God blesses him again in chapter, 20, in chapter 35. And this is where we see the, the, the fourth W of Jacob's life is his walk with God. This is where he, he's figured it out. He's now walking with God because God's leading him. And Jacob's now leading his family because God's leading him. 